Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, Call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
sometimes in life, you just need some good old-fashioned dumb luck. (laughs) We're going to talk about that in our history story today. We have China making some more inroads. And I was thinking about this. We're going to talk about why China is able to gain so much power here, so much power around the world. And I'll give you the specific reason why. The big one. Georgia. Georgia right now is a humongous example of where Texas is going, and I will tell you why that matters for all of us, not just people who live in Texas. And finally, we hit the heavy items on this show. We're going to talk about stuffed crust pizza. (laughs) And Also, I should mention as a side note, I put out the request yesterday for you to send me your dumbest thing you've ever done while under the influence of alcohol. I put out the email address, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I put out the phone number, 877-377-4373, and you delivered. (laughs) Unsurprisingly, the hooligans who listen to this show have done really dumb things in their youth. By the grace of God, they all sound like they're past that, but man... Fellas, (laughs) I noticed it was all the dudes. See, that's the thing. The ladies never admit it, Chris. It was all the dudes. The ladies are never all, well, I passed out in the mud at a concert. Dudes, we've got some guy. He was breaking and entering in someone's home. (laughs) Right. So I will read those to you throughout the show today. But first, let's go to North America. Oh, wait, we're already there. That doesn't make any sense. Let's talk about the French and Indian War briefly as we lead up to the Battle of Quebec. Late 1500s. This is obviously way before the French and Indian War, which is in the 1700s. Don't worry about that. I'm not boring you with details here. But in the late 1500s, Britain begins to colonize North America. This is not news to you because you're an American. You know when we started to get over here. Now, Spain was doing the same thing, but remember when we talk about colonization? And we always have and we always will because it's such a huge part of the world history. And how everybody didn't do it the same. And even a country who had kind of a colonization policy might do it one way here and one way there. Britain, when they begin to colonize the United States of America, they really began to move in. That was our people, our forefathers, the settlers, the first ones here. They weren't here in the same way other countries were here. You see, Spain was colonizing North America too, but you remember Cortez in the conquest of Mexico, they're there for gold. What was Cortez saying to every tribe when he walked in? One, you guys need to stop sacrificing human beings. That's kind of gross. They become believers of Jesus. Two, uh, you're now under the Spanish crown. Congratulations. And three, where's all the gold at? I need the gold and I need you to bring all the gold to me right now. And that's really how Spain did North America. You can argue that's why they lost North America, but they were simply here 
pillage all the riches they could get, and then bail. They didn't want to stay here. And I'm not saying they're wrong. That's just how they did it. England, much different. In the beginning, England viewed America as a very convenient dumping ground for their malcontents. Remember, most of our settlers, our original settlers, they were fleeing religious persecution. They wanted to be out of there, and England wanted them out of there. We don't need those people mucking up our society, do we? Let's get rid of them. But they also viewed America as a a new part of the British Empire, not a place just to swoop in and grab some gold. Oh, they wanted that too, but... Well, we can get a lot more than gold if we move in. We have ports. We have goods. We have we can we can simply make it part of Britain. And they did it really well. I mean, nobody colonized better than the English. Nobody. And as you know, because this is the history of our country, they really spread their wings along the eastern coast of what you and I now know to be the United States of America. But here's the thing about England. England and France, I don't know if you've heard, they've historically had a squabble or two. Really, they've hated each other. They're always trying to be one up on the other. And France was doing plenty of colonizing themselves around the world. And they're very aware of this North America, this still relatively new discovery, and you got Spain over here taking the gold, and England's over here taking the coast, and France is not going to sit idly by, understandably so, and just let them have it all. France says, I want to get down on that. So they start poking their nose around, looking at what's still available. Well, there ain't much still available. I mean, they could have gone... Maybe super south, although you're running into Spanish territory in the Florida area now. But realize this. Let's pause here for a moment. I've thought about this last night, and I bet you somebody has already written this book. Now, I don't do research for the show, so I didn't look it up. But I bet you money someone has written this book, a history of how the weather has affected the history of the world, of how weather has shaped the way this world has gone. And this is what I mean by that. You and I, because we live in such a modern era now here in America, what do we not have? We live in such a modern era that we live in any climate at all times. And obviously you have to go outside at various points, but we live relatively comfortably At all times. I am existing right now in a radio studio, and it's, I would guess, between 70 and 73 degrees in here. If you are listening to the sound of my voice, and this show is now nationwide, which is absurd. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, there's about a 99% chance, unless you're outside on a jog, that you are also existing at about 70 to 73 degrees. Our show's on in Florida. Our show's on in Montana. And everybody is still listening at roughly 70 to 73 degrees or somewhere close in there. You see, we take for granted, you and I, the fact that we live in climate-controlled environments now. We travel to and fro in a climate-controlled pod. When we get to where we're going, whether that be home or work, unless you're a construction dude, You live and work in climate control. That was not always so. And places like 
Florida, places too close to the equator, tropical, swampy places were not hospitable places pre-air conditioning. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say nobody was there, but if you're looking to move to the United States of America in the 1700s, 1600s, uh, have you been to Florida in July? Now, I personally am a Florida freak. I love Florida. Yeah, in the 1700s, I wouldn't be down in Florida. At the end of the day, I need to shower all that sand off my body and get in the air conditioning. So Spain doesn't want, or France doesn't want Florida. They don't want that south or southern part. you got to find some place up north. They start looking at Canada. <laughs> Imagine that. Wait, Chris, we can make jokes. Well, they start moving into Canada, but there isn't a ton of stuff as far as resources go in Canada. It's it's cold in the winter. Remember that weather thing we just talked about? It's really cold, which they can handle the cold. That's not the end of the world, but you get things that are iced over. So they have to find something else there to make it worthwhile. Well, they find something. We're going to talk about what that something is in just a second. And remember, I'm going to tell you today why China gains the power they gain, why everybody does. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Companies should make your life easier. That's that's the point of them, right? When you go out and you purchase a good or you purchase a service, they should be making your life easier, not harder. If they're not, move on. What I love about Doctors Trusted CBD Company is they finally put in work that I couldn't do. You see, I've been using CBD for a long time, and the results have been mixed for me because, well, some of the CBD isn't good, and some is really good, and I don't have the ability to go out and test, so I had to buy this kind or buy that kind, and this is a failure. This one works well. Doctors Trusted CBD Company went out and researched the whole industry. That's why they teamed up with people like Be Best Organics, which is made in the USA. Go buy the best at DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. That's DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 5% off and a free lip balm. Georgia is a stunning warning to Texas. Texas better take heed. And why does that matter for you? Whether you're in Texas or not, we're going to talk about that a little later on in the show. Plus, (laughs) the dumbest things you've ever done when you were drunk. You're welcome to email those in throughout the show or call 877-377-4373. These are absolutely hilarious. You guys are nutballs. Nutballs. Allow us to continue, though, with our Battle of Quebec. Well, the lead-up to the Battle of Quebec. I won't get too much into the battle. So France needs a foothold. They need something. They find Canada. There aren't a ton of resources there, but they do find furs. Now, remember how I just got done talking about how everybody colonizes a little differently? France 
in North America, they really approached the Indians much differently than the Spanish and the British did. Much different. The British were kind of all, yeah, yeah, uh, some allies are okay, but you really need to move. This is ours now. The Spanish are really just wanted their gold, and they're happy to slaughter a bunch on the way. The French, the French thought to themselves, well, why don't we just become friends with all of them? We don't really want to live here. It's freezing. It's Canada. I mean, who really wants to live in Canada anyway? Then and now, (laughs) quit. So they thought, well, let's just be friends. And they made friends with the Indians. They figured the Indians could help them gain the furs they wanted, show them around, teach them the lay of the land. Doesn't hurt to have some Indians fighting on your side. Excellent guerrilla fighters, not traditional troops, as we'll find out a little later on, but guerrilla fighters. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So they forged this great relationship. Now, this is inevitable that France and Britain are going to fight here in North America because they fight everywhere and they're always fighting in Europe. And here's what happens. A Frenchman, not going to go into the whole story, floats the Mississippi, floats the whole thing. And because he thought he was the first, you know, white European to do so, that really back then gave you claim to the area if you wanted it. And he not only claims the Mississippi, he claims all the areas the Mississippi drains, which is the entire central part of the United States of America. He claims it for France, which wasn't the end of the world at the time he claimed it because it's hard for us to understand this now. There was a time when Kansas, Oklahoma, Ohio, that was the far western frontier. People didn't go there. That was where the aliens lived. We settled the eastern coast of this country, and anything else there was frontier. So for a while, it wasn't a problem. But then, as you know, populations do, We begin to fill up the East Coast, and people begin to dip their toe in the water on the other side of the Appalachian Mountains. Let's move out to the frontier a little bit. Let's do Kentucky. Let's let's do Mississippi. Let's move out there a little ways. And we decide, well, as long as we're moving out here, we might as well start building ourselves a fort. Because you're going to want a fort for, remember, forts were more than just military protection, although they were most definitely that. You would garrison a military force at one of these old forts. They were uh, Walmart. That's a great way to describe them. They were Walmart. Remember, if you're a settler and you're pushing west, you can't possibly carry absolutely everything you need to start a new life. You can carry a lot of it, but at some point you're going to need a a pane of glass for your new cabin. At some point, you're going to need a, a a hammer you can't make yourself. You're going to need certain things, sugar, flour, various things. You would find these things at forts. Settlers would come and go in and out of the forts to trade and buy things. So you would want to build a fort as part of moving your people out there. We start building this really sweet fort. I should say the Brits do, but they start building this really sweet fort, and the French decide... This is our territory. You can't build a fort here. And the French come and run them out of there and then finish the fort themselves and make it a French fort. Well, now you've offended English pride. 
So an Englishman named Braddock gathers up a military force, goes back to fight them, and dies and loses. And this essentially kicks off what is known as, you've probably heard it before, the French and Indian War. Did not help that the Brits and the French were also fighting in Europe now at this time. That ver- that version of it was called the Seven Years' War. You should know those two wars are basically the same war, just depending on wh- which continent you're on or who you're talking to. Which brings us to Canada. You see, in the beginning, England was losing this war. France, because they were smart enough to make allies with the natives, They were beating the British here in North America. But England had then what really they've had for a long, long time, that ultra-important thing. They had a juggernaut of a navy. And what they did was the most genius thing in the world, virtually the same thing they did to Germany in World War I and II. But World War I, they just stopped French from getting any supplies. They set up the Royal Navy so France couldn't resupply. They couldn't send more troops. They couldn't send more supplies. And slowly but surely, England starts winning this war. And I'm not going to go into the details of it, but at some point England decided America is more than a dumping ground for the malcontents. This could probably be a really wealthy colony. We really need to value this more. So they start sending crack troops over here, bringing them up to Quebec. They've slapped around the French. Quebec is virtually the last major stronghold of it. And they send a man named Wolf up there to take it back. But here's the problem. The French are dug in. And this General Wolf of Britain, General Wolf doesn't know exactly how to approach this dug-in place. Quebec is right along a river. They've thought out their defenses really well. And he's stuck. He tries a couple frontal attacks. It doesn't work. And the French are also in their own pickle, I should mention. Here's the situation on the ground. Britain doesn't have a ton of troops, but they have the best ones. These are crack troops. France has more troops. They kind of suck. They have some of their crack troops, but a lot of their troops are militia, and a lot of their troops are Indians. Let's talk about militia briefly for a moment because this is going to apply to every history story we ever tell. The movies make militia out to be really, really, really great. Uh, We've all seen The Patriot, right? Mel Gibson, that was the ultimate in militia. They're sneaking around. They're winning the war on their own, burying hatchets in people's faces and stuff like that. Militia troops are not good troops. It's not because they're bad people. It's because they're not as well-trained. I've told this story a thousand times before. I'm not going to dwell on it now, but just briefly, we were fighting our way through Iraq. We were regular infantry Marines, and at one point we were in a town, and we, we were told we were getting relieved by an Army unit, and we had this Army National Guard reservist group show up. These aren't bad guys. They aren't lacking in bravery. They aren't lacking in anything They're just lacking in training. These guys showed up, and I was one of the non-commissioned officers tasked with training them up to survive there. And I went to my first sergeant after the first day and said, all these guys are going to die. They're fat. 
out of shape, had no idea where to look, where not to look. They just didn't. And that's again, that's not a rip on them or any militia troops. There is trained and there is untrained. France is sitting there on a bunch of untrained troops and Indians. And now the luck starts to play in. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And we still have stuffed crust pizza talk. Hang on. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. We just got some audio of Antifa out in front of Senator Josh Hawley's home while he was gone and his wife and infant were home. You know, we'll grab that audio for you here. I'm not sure how well the audio is going to do on the radio. It's just some stupid chanting into a microphone. But, you know, I'm a bit of a wordsmith. I'll be able to what, Chris? I'll be able to describe the video for you. In all seriousness, so you remember what I talked about yesterday? I'm worried somebody's going to get killed. This stuff at people's homes, getting in people's faces, running people out of restaurants, assaulting people. Remember, we're not that far removed from Steve Scalise getting gunned down on a baseball field. Someone's going to get killed, man. Somebody high up is going to get killed. And boy, that's going to spark a big old nasty, nasty outrage. Good grief. All right. Let's wrap up our story here because I'm so anxious. You know what, Chris? No, I'm not going to do it. I was going to pause the history story and tell one of these one of these drunken stories you guys sent me from yesterday, but it's too good. Let's wrap up the Battle of Quebec here. So now we have Britain out in front of Quebec. Can't seem to get in. The French are stuck in Quebec. They're well supplied. But they don't have the best troops in the world. Britain has great troops, but they're stuck outside. They try to full frontal attack, and it fails. Now the Brits decide they're going to go the old war crime route, but that's the history of the world. They start looting and burning all the crops, raping and pillaging all the people who live around the the, the, the area so they can so they can bait the French into coming out. They want to make the French so angry they're going to come out. The French do not. 
Well, now they're in a real pickle. And Wolf, the man in charge of the British troops, doesn't know what to do. He's suffering from disease. He's worried he's not going to die in battle gloriously. He's worried he's going to die of disease. He can't figure it out. And he gets word from a man who knows a secret way around the forts. A secret way where the Brits can get to a relatively undefended area of the city where they couldn't get to before. He agrees he's going to take some troops there, but he's so worried about word getting out to the French of where he's going that he doesn't even tell any of his troops or his officers where they're going. He loads them up in these little transport boats and cruises towards that area. Now, in one of the worst cases of bad luck in the history of mankind, At the exact time the Brits are rolling in on their transport boats, the French have watchmen there, and the French stand up and say, "Uh, who are you? Well, unbeknownst to the British, the French were expecting supplies on boat right about this time. The Brits, who had French speakers in their group, just happened to say, oh, we're here with supplies in perfect French. And the French said, oh, good, welcome on in, and turned around and let them by. <laughs> How about that? Now the Brits marched their way on up to this open area. And... Once they get there, they're shocked at how undefended it was. And you know why it was really undefended? Because the British Navy had been throwing markers out in the river for a couple days, faking like they were going to attack from the river when they weren't. And it just so happened all the French defenses went down to that area to try to defend against the troops. So once again, the Brits luck into a completely undefended area. The French get word that the Brits are there, but the Brits who are there, the ones who've snuck around, they're not equipped for some huge battle. I mean, they're crack troops, two or 3,000 crack troops, but they're, they're there for maybe a quick fight and then leave, and there's no resupply coming. You can't get to them. The French pour their troops out towards these Brits, but again, militia, French, Indian, They're not all a cohesive unit, and they're not all trained the same way. The militia troops, the Indian troops, they're not ready for the Brits to be disciplined, stay in a line, fire in one volley, and they start falling, and then they start running, and then the regular troops start running. Should be be noted the Commander Wolf, he dies during this engagement, gets shot in the wrist, and the abdomen twice. But the Brits, they win this battle. They're still not in the fort yet. The French regulars take off, but the fort is still held. The town is still held by militia and troops. The Brits dig in and start moving their trench systems closer to the wall. Only the Brits are in a bit of a pickle. You see, again, this is not a big enough force to fight off a large French army. They assume a French army is on the way. They need to get in the relatively undefended fort before the French army gets there. So they're digging in and digging in and digging in, and finally they get right next to the wall, and they tell the French inside, uh, all right, time for you to surrender. The French inside 
put up these terms of surrender that are so absurdly pro-French, it's ridiculous. But the Brits agree to it right off the bat because they're so desperate to get inside before the French army gets there. Turning out to be the luckiest decision in the history of mankind, the British army takes over the French fort one day before a massive French army arrives that would have annihilated the British. One day. This, it should be noted, gave the war to Britain. This is why Britain won the French and Indian War. Well, I should say, it's not why. This is the end of it. After this, Britain effectively controlled Canada. There was still, you know, a battle in Montreal and stuff like that. But this was pretty much the end of it. So many things. Battles, politics, business, relationships, your career, my career, whatever the case may be. So many things come down to something small and often something you and I can't control. And I'm seeing so much anxiety out there, especially in the wake of this humongous Senate election we have today. I'm seeing so much anxiety out there in my emails. I was thinking about this last night. People are so worried about the future of the country and the next four years and and what are we going to do and how do we conduct ourselves and what if the Dems take over everything and all that stuff. And I'm not going to do that thing and tell you, well, there's nothing to worry about because there's plenty to worry about. We talk about that all the time. There's tons to worry about. That's a bunch of crap. But I am here to tell you, You're going to have to learn. And I'm the same way. I have to learn too. I'm going to have to learn to let go of the things I can't control. So much of the future of this country, and this is a bitter pill to swallow because you care about it. I care about it. So much of the future of this country is out of our hands. That doesn't mean we throw our hands up and go sit on our butts and don't don't fight. You know, I'm all about that fight. We're going to continue to fight. Every single minute of every day that we can, we're going to continue that fight. But so much of the future is simply out of our hands, and we don't like that. It makes you feel helpless. It makes you feel like you just toss to and fro in the wind. You're not. But the two inches in front of your face is about all you can control. I don't know what's going to happen today in Georgia. And if the Democrats win today, and they certainly can, I'm here to tell you the next four years is going to suck. But we control what we can, and we let the rest, we let the rest go, don't we? All right, we're going to talk Georgia, why it's Texas, why it's California. Hang on. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually my drink was give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm gonna go. 
go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.